Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. On a mission to bring the benefits of sport to kids everywhere, they go beyond technology to provide leaders with professional development and relationship building, and to work with sports-based organizations to address issues of accessibility and equality. To learn more, find them at League Apps com or as league apps on all of the social networks now here's the host of the show longtime soccer broadcaster and voice of united soccer coaches dean linky i am dean linky this is the united soccer coaches podcast it is presented by league apps and we have a great show about a month ago ralph polson who has taken over the role as the chair of the united soccer coaches foundation scholarships and grants reminded us that september 29th is the application deadline to receive so many grants, too many grants to count, so many exciting grants and scholarships. It is awesome. Go now to unitedsoccercoaches.org, find United Soccer Coaches Foundation, find the application, and sign up. Why? Well, we kick off with three people that actually experienced a host of course program out in the great state of Colorado. They kick off our show courtesy of Sarah Mason, who's the development officer for United Soccer Coaches and plays that same role with the United Soccer Coaches Foundation. Well done, Sarah. It is Hispanic Heritage Month. So once again, Mauricio Lozado brings forward Art Hernandez, who brings forward incredible guests. That's no different today as he's got a wonderful guest. Ariana Martinez is on the show. We hit the training ground with Tree Beckman, a big time topic. It's about the athletes and the surveys. And she's got a hot take on it. It's a good one as well. Next Tuesday, I'll have Michigan at Indiana. I'm so pleased to be joined by the Michigan top man, Shaka Daly, who's also part of the great black soccer coaches community. Shaka Daly is on the show. And we end with Joe Ahern, who's really done it all in the game. He's now with the Michigan Jaguars, the head coach of their MLS Next team. That's our show. And it starts after this message from our presenting sponsor, Lee Gaps. We bet you didn't get into this business for the back office duties. That's why we created League Apps, the industry's leading youth sports management platform. So you can spend less time with busy work and more time doing what you love. League Apps provides organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. Once again, here's the host of the show, Dean Linky. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. We have another jam-packed show, but I always have time for Sarah Mason. She's the head of development for not just United Soccer Coaches, but United Soccer Coaches Foundation. About a month ago, we had Ralph Polson on. He now chairs the Scholarship and Grant Application Committee, which consists of a ton of great people, including, ironically, a ton of great people from Colorado. Why do I say that? Well, we are joined by three of the fine people that were heavily involved in getting the grant, quote, scholarship for the host, of course, grant from the foundation. High Country Soccer Association in Silverthorne, Colorado was a 2023 HOC grant recipient. 
They completed their course in April of this year and had an amazing group come together for it. I'm so pleased to have three of that amazing group join me now. Miriam Hickey was directly involved. She happens to be the executive director for High Country Soccer Association in Silverthorne, Colorado. Luis Aguilera is an outstanding coach from the club. I can't wait to hear from him. And then Joe Twan Daniels attended the course and was a convention recipient as well. We'll get to that. I also like his background on both sides, not just as a coach, but a man who's in administration helping other coaches. Let me first say quick hello. Hello, Miriam. Hello from Silverthorne, Colorado. Love it. Hello, Luis. Good morning from Dillon, Colorado. All right, outstanding. Joe Twan, Daniels, good to be with you. Hello and good morning from Breckenridge, Colorado. All right, I hear all three of those and I'm extremely jealous. I lived in Evergreen for a while. I was the first ever voice of the Colorado Rapids. I missed that place, so I'm very jealous. Make sure you guys breathe in that crisp air, okay, for me. Miriam, we'll start with you as the executive director you may have been the first one that was aware of this host of course grant from the United Soccer Coaches Foundation. What did you know about it and how excited were you to, to be able to receive it? Yes, very excited. Uh, as uh, Our goal is to uh, to enhance the experiences of our players. So for that, we need good coaches. Um, so the first I heard about this was Jay Engel. He's one of our uh, uh, our locals who is, uh, who is, uh, uh, who's been involved with uh, USC for a long time. Uh, he asked us if we would be interested, and uh, uh, I know uh, we were very excited to to get the grant and uh, and we have to thank Helen and Horst uh, Richardson uh, from Colorado Springs who who helped us uh, get the get the funds to to host this course. Well, you've listened to this show. I'm big on name dropping, so well done, Luisa. You're a coach with the club. That means you are going to be involved. Talk about how much you enjoyed the experience, please. That was an awesome experience, uh, not just for me, for all the people around me. I could see so many people getting some more education and um, getting the opportunity to get the soccer, the basics of the soccer of the of the game, uh, the philosophy of how of the reason why we are why we are doing that, uh, who is the main star on this, which is always the 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 kids, and in my case, is kids. Some 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 other are. Uh, coaching uh, some older, older players, but in my case, it's for kids, and I could. For me, it was a great re refreshment about the basics and seeing so many people around me uh, willing to create this good environment in the county was amazing. And then I already kind of teased a little bit, but Joe Twan Daniels has a fascinating background that might help him tell the story of what he took out of this. So let's do that first, Joe Twan. Tell us what you do and then talk about how you, for lack of a better word, attacked being a part of this host of course grant for High Country Soccer Association. For sure, Dean. I'm currently an assistant Dean of Instruction with Colorado Mountain College, a local community college up here in the mountain communities. Um, I decided to take that role over the summer as my normal career as a school teacher and a soccer coach progressed me towards higher education. I was formerly the high school boys and girls soccer coach at Summit High School in Breckenridge, Colorado, along with a, school, a classroom teacher. As I went to this conference, this was the first time that I was able to go to a conference in quite a long time. Um, I had been going on coaching for about 20 years. So I believe I have started to progress away from being a day-to-day -day coach towards trying to look at it more holistically in, in terms of there were really good coaches who invested in me when I was young. And I believe that it is time for me to step up to that plate and invest my time into younger coaches myself. 
my goal is in this new role is to hopefully reconnect with my local community and my local soccer club, the Strikers, and perhaps being not only a coach for coaches, but also a coach for the youth. Um, and it was fun to start to process not only the convention, but also that coaches education course through the lens of not just the person that is on the field, but perhaps that individual that can mold the individuals who be in front of our players. Yo, Twan, I have to tell you that your answer kind of epitomizes what United Soccer Coaches is all about. I'll have Miriam add that on as well, because we've always been about making coaches better. And even though you're a coach, you're talking about making coaches better. So I really dig that. Yeah, it's a great opportunity to, like I said, give back. Getting older, not as young as I used to be, the energy does tend to go away, but the love for the sport is still there. I'm just starting to really embrace that opportunity of, like I said, training coaches to be just as good as we are currently as older coaches. And Miriam, I know you were a, quote, NSCAA All-American. <laughs> I'll still call you that, even though we've got a new name, United Soccer Coaches. First of all, what college was that at, Miriam, so I know? It was in uh, New Mexico's Gold College of the Southwest. It's an NAIA school, and uh, I was too old to play Division One, so that was my way of getting out of the Netherlands and, uh, and uh, coming to the U.S., uh, um, before I thought I was going to be a professional player in Italy. So uh, I, I kind of hung around in the U.S. Well, and you got a certificate out of it as being an All-American. And then you also got this host, of course, grant. Can you remind me the enjoyment of receiving the notice that you were going to be able to get it? And then what were the, some of the first things you did to then promote it? Yes, we were, we were very excited. Um, it's uh, it's great for our, uh, our coaches, uh, from recreational level to to our strikers, which is our travel uh, uh, branch of the of the club, and our and some of our high school coaches to to join in, um, for for our community, it's it's we're we're one soccer community in in Summit County. So the high school and the, and the club we're we're all one, uh, with the goal of making sure that every player can reach their potential. So we were we were super excited, and you know now. Um, the next question was, can we, uh, can we get, can we get, can we fill this course? Uh, and I think we had almost 40 coaches there, which, which meant that uh, Shellis Heidman had to, had to get some, uh, some help uh, from, from another instructor to, uh, to join us uh, in Breckenridge. I'm glad you mentioned Shellis because Luis, I want to go back to you. You might even tell us kind of what country you're from, as I recognize a very distinguishable accent, but can't totally make it out, but uh, glad that you're here. But, Chalice Heinemann, he's one of the best coaches to ever coach in this country, flat out, period. So you as a coach, to be able to interact and interface with, with him, can you talk about how cool that was? That was great. I come from Spain, by the way. Okay. Um, that's why my, my weird accent. But yes, I come from Spain. I got some, some uh, a short uh, coaching experience there before I came here to, to the States. And as soon as I get here, I understood that the impact we create or when I joined to, to the club, the strikers, I understood that the impact we are creating on the youth players uh, was so deep that we need to do it responsibly and take a good formation, a good education on the, on the correct way, right? So, uh, and that's why I think and this course is a great opportunity, not just for me, but for all the um, intermediate or all the new coaches are, are incorporating to the soccer. Uh, to uh, to do it in a correct way to find uh, the good philosophy of, of of the of the game and understand what is actually important in this. So um, that's why I think it's 
was really uh, amazing. It was a great opportunity for all of us to be all together. As the director Mian says, more than almost 40 people there was a great spread of this first word. So I enjoyed that a lot. And seeing all the people saying, okay, this is what I want to do. This is what I, it's a big push for all, for all the new coaches and uh, to say, okay, this is a good thing to do. This is a good way to uh, give back to players, give back to the youth. Well, maybe some, and sometimes we, we received in some some way, either in, in, in soccer or in any, any, any other sports. But uh, it's, it was really, really good to see all the people getting kind of the same reflection of the course. All right. I love your energy. And by the way, my mm -hmm. wife was born in Madrid. So I like that about you, you too. <laughs> yes. You still spent some time with there. Joe Tuan, I kind of get the feeling that you, because of your background, understand the importance of getting scholarships and grants because sometimes we just don't have enough money to make it happen. And then to be able to get this from the United Soccer Coaches Foundation, put in your own words kind of what that means to you just as an individual person who is helping in both ways. One, a longtime soccer coach, but now a man who I'm very pleased to be hearing is helping other soccer coaches. It is absolutely amazing to get granted these sorts of opportunities by way of scholarships and awards. Um, as a lowly public servant, formerly in a, in, in a past life, money is very difficult to come by. Um, I am very skilled in the art of how to beg, borrow, and steal to get these sorts of opportunities. But it is, as I mentioned, quite an honor. Um, it does require a significant amount of, a, I would say, financial aptitude to be able to travel to places like Philadelphia for the United Soccer Coaches of Convention. It requires a tremendous amount of monies and energies to organize course, coaching courses in our local community like we were able to do in Breckenridge last spring. And so to be able to have such great support from the United Soccer Coaches Foundation means the world to me. Um, as Louise said, it just gets you really fired up to know that individuals see value in us and what we do every day to impact our youth players and are willing to invest in us so that we can get the skills, the techniques, strategies, the coaching necessary to impart the best ways of coaching our individuals, as Luis was re referring to, to the young players. We have a tremendous, tremendously powerful responsibility as coaches. Um, we can both be the best thing in a child's day when they come to training, but also, too, we could sometimes maybe steer them down the wrong direction if our heart and our minds and our mentality isn't where it needs to be. And so when you get around individuals, either at the convention or in these coaching clinics who have the same sorts of passions, desires, and philosophy towards coaching as we all do, you can't help but leave those situations fired up and ready to continue to go. Amen. The United Soccer Coaches Foundation application for these special courses and special scholarships, special grants is going to end pretty soon. You need to get your application in quick. There's not just host a course, there's convention, there's multiple different levels and great programs that you could get involved in. I encourage you to do that. I'm going to ask all three of you that were involved in this incredible High Country Soccer Association in Silverthorne Course to Course grant to not just talk about the fact that you received money from this, but people that are listening right now that maybe do want to go to a convention or they do want to get a certain diploma but can't right now, or they do want to, in fact, do a host of course, why it's important to do. We'll start with you, Miriam. Give us your opinion on why people should take advantage of this incredible foundation. When you're starting out as a coach, you don't know a whole lot yet. Then when you start coaching, you think you know it all. This actually helps you to uh, to take a step back and and 
and now understand that you don't know everything and that you need to continue to uh, to uh, uh, to develop and be a lifelong learner and it always helps to uh, to have mentors and and uh, united soccer coaches is uh, uh, is very good at at making sure that the the game is is uh, is it can grow all around the country. So I would say if you have a chance to uh, to take a course, do it today. Yeah, and if you are struggling right now, you have the opportunity to apply for this scholarship or grant to make sure that you do the course as well. Luis, your thoughts on the fact that the United Soccer Coaches Foundation has created these great opportunities? When you start coaching, you think you are alone because you are actually you coach uh, youth players uh, in front of a bunch of players, and you think it's all on you, and you get to think on the ways to address every practice, every game, and when you start getting some education and getting these kind of opportunities, you realize you are not, you are not alone, and there is a guideline that we all we all can follow uh, for people that is more experienced than us that uh, has struggled as we did at the beginning. And, and mm -hmm. it creates a big community uh, with the same sense of uh, of the reason we are why we are coaching. Sometimes it's not professional; they are making volunteer coaches. Uh, but at the end, we are doing the same. We are following the same uh, guidelines, and we are creating a big community in our club. We all the coaches are following the same guidelines, so we can address to different teams. Um, um, and without no difference with for the, for the players, for example, or I can see coaches volunteering uh, for for the first time, saying, "Okay, I'm not alone on this. I there are a lot of experienced people that can show me what was their experience, and of course, respecting everyone's different character or the everyone different method or way to address. But at the end, we have a reference, a good reference we can follow. And this kind of courses and this scholarship we got is a great opportunity to get in contact with these guidelines of these people that can teach us how they struggle on the moment they got to do it and better ways to find or better approach to the players or better techniques or better strategies to make for the players a better experience when they uh, are in contact with the ball, the soccer ball. At the end of the day, it is about the players. That's so well said. And you know, Joe Chuan, I think about that, and there's always been this debate of pay for play and everything else. And then going back to what I've already said, seeing the foundation say, hey, here's money for your coaches to be better, which maybe will help the players. And then maybe other new ideas will help the club as well. How do you feel about all that? I think it's really awesome to have an organization such as United Soccer Coaches to invest in us. Similar to what Miriam was mentioning earlier, it is hard to call you guys USC because like her, I remember when it was NSCAA and when it was NSCAA, um, I can speak to Luis's point as well. I felt I was on an island sometimes as a coach. I had progressed from being a player into a coach's standpoint and didn't realize that you can no longer impact the game like you could as a player once you become a coach. And learning how to coach is absolutely essential. Now, in order to do that, I was able to find resources through NSCAA at the time, which is now United Soccer Coaches, that allowed me to fine-tune my abilities. Um, and then I started to go to the conventions and to that word that Luis used quite a bit, community. It was able to find that community of coaches. To this day, some of my very best friends all over this country are soccer coaches. And we talk about not only the sport itself, 
but what the sport can teach our young people in terms of life, in terms of balance, in terms of just being a well-rounded individual. So it is absolutely critical that if you are a young coach out there or just a coach that needs a refresher, seek out resources from United Soccer Coaches. They have a commitment to making us as coaches the best versions of ourselves, just like we have a commitment to make our athletes the best versions of themselves. We always want to continue to be better at what we do. We want to be better tomorrow than we were today. We want to be better next week than we are this week. And attending coaching clinics, attending courses, attending conventions is a great way for us to practice what we preach as coaches. I do want to remind everybody that the end of September, in fact, maybe a couple of days before, you better double check it. The application form for the United Soccer Coaches Scholarships and Grants will run out and you'll miss out on a great opportunity to go to the convention, to do other courses, or to be a part of what we're talking about today, the host of course grant from the foundation that was received by the High Country Soccer Association in Silverthorne, Colorado. This is what I call my last word, or in case you missed it, we'll start with Miriam Hickey, who is the executive director of the High Country Soccer Association in Silverthorne, Colorado, and the fine recipient of the United Soccer Coaches Foundation, host a course. Miriam, quite simply, if people heard nothing but what you're going to say right now about receiving this grant and scholarship and host a course opportunity from United Soccer Coaches, what do you want to leave them with? I think Jadwan said it the best already, is uh, be a better version of yourself tomorrow uh, by uh, by staying hungry for, for knowledge and, uh, and uh, uh, be a lifelong learner. All right. Well, thanks for bringing your knowledge overseas. And speaking of overseas, Luis, definitely appreciate you bringing your knowledge. I heard they play some pretty good soccer in Spain, by the way. So <laughs> well done you, Luis. And I guess yeah. from a coaching point of view, if they hear nothing else about what you have to say about a host of course opportunity, Luis, again, from a coaching perspective, what do you want to leave them with? Uh, well, basically, it's just to say thank you, because uh, it's, a, uh, it's a great opportunity to us and and as I said, it's a great uh, reminder that we have a big association that we can always uh, uh, get a lot of experience from lots of people, and we are not alone in this. So thank you so much for this grant, for this uh, opportunity to all, to all of us. Yeah, you're welcome. Loved your energy, loved all three of your energies. Joe Chan, you've been outstanding. What's your final message? If they heard nothing else, and you said a lot of good things, Joe Chan Daniels, what do you want to leave them with? If you are thinking about continuing your education, don't think anymore, do it. The worst that United Soccer Coaches can say is no. And even if they do, that is just a great opportunity for you to tighten things up and apply again. But it is completely and totally worth your time to invest in yourself as we continue to invest in our youth. Full stop and period. Joe Twan Daniels, thank you so much, sir. You are very welcome. Thanks for having me, Dina. Thanks, Luis. <laughs> really appreciate thank it. Thank you. Thank right. you. Now, thanks to youth for having me. All right. And then Miriam Hickey, the executive director for Silverthorne and the High Country Soccer Association. Miriam, thank you so much for being on. You're welcome. Miriam, if people want to learn more about the High Country Soccer Association in Silverthorne, Colorado, where do they go? If you want to learn more about our Summit County soccer programs, go to highcountrysoccer.com. Perfect. Job well done to all three of you. Thanks for sharing your experience. Thanks so much, yeah. my man. Thank you. And I definitely want to thank Sarah Mason and all the great folks at United Soccer Coaches Foundation, including Ralph Polson. That deadline is September 29. Folks, it's right there for you. They want to get you where you want to be. They have grants. 
They have scholarships. They have great opportunities. Go to United Soccer Coaches, find the foundation, find the application, fill it out, and see what happens. When we return, we continue our Latino Soccer Coaches community takeover as Art Hernandez has another wonderful guest. The home of all coaches is headed to Anaheim, California. Join us at the 2024 United Soccer Coaches Convention, held January 10th through the 14th. For our first time on the West Coast in over five years, we're pulling out all the stops with brand new special topics diplomas, world-class presenters like Randy Waldrum and Carla Thompson, one-of-a-kind pop-ups, 200-plus education sessions, and so much more. Register now by going to unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org. Register before December 14th to beat the price increase and join us in Anaheim. It's Hispanic Heritage Month, so once again, the great Latino soccer coaches community gets a takeover five straight weeks. This is week two. Take it away, Art Hernandez. Thank you, United Soccer Coaches and Dean Linky here on week two of the Latino Community Podcast Takeover. Today, bringing you another uh, powerful young woman, Ari Martinez. Um, Hi, Adi. How's it going? Great. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Perfect. And tell us a little bit about what you do, where you are. I know you're an assistant AD and a varsity coach in high school, along with club. I'm sure that keeps you busy, but uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Yes, definitely keeps me busy. So uh, in my current role, I'm an assistant athletic director at an all-girls high school in Los Angeles County. Um, and within that role, I am fortunate enough to to teach as well. So I teach classes there. Um, and then I'm also the head varsity soccer coach at that high school. And then I also as well am coaching two club uh, teams, uh, ECRL teams, uh, both 07 and 08 girls for LAFC SoCal, which is uh, my former club that I played with as a player. So yes, I'm definitely busy, but uh, what I love about my job is I'm involved in athletics and girls sports, which is what I'm passionate about. So I, I truly am doing what I love to do. And how special is that to be able to coach where, where you play? Tell us a little bit about your upbringing. Um, obviously, you played club soccer. So tell us a little bit about how, how soccer became a part of your life uh, from a young age. Yeah. So for me, I grew up in Ventura County um, and soccer was part of my life my life since as early as I can remember. Um, and to your point, yes, I'm super fortunate. I played for my club team, which was for anyone from the Los Angeles area knows, um, formerly SoCal United, Real SoCal. And now with the immersion of LAFC in Los Angeles, we um, took over the name as LAFC SoCal. So being able to come back to your club and coach has been really incredible. Um, but just to my experience, uh, my parents kind of, had three things for me growing up. You have to work hard, you have to participate in sports, and you got to give back. So for me, sports was always intertwined, and more specifically, soccer. Um, I played club, high school. I went on to play college. Um, I was fortunate enough to have some international experiences as well. So soccer has really, I always say, molded me into who I am, but I think also has given me so many great life experiences. So I, that's why I enjoy being able to go back to those places and do the same for other kids as well. You mentioned that you also played in college and then you have some international experience. So um, let's talk first about your, your the college piece. How was it for you from a Latina perspective? Um, how easy was it to get into college? 
Um, was it something that was like an ex an expectation that that like, hey, I'm gonna go to college? Tell me a little bit about that part. Yeah. So from a young age, I'm super grateful for both my parents and my family. Um, I come from a family of educators and education was always the most important thing for not only my family, my cousins, but my mom and dad. So the expectation was always, you're going to go to college no matter what. Um, and through playing soccer and club in high school, I started to realize um, and get, I got some positive feedback from coaches and I started to realize like, Hey, I, I can play college at the next level. This could be a viable option to not only go to college, but also play as well. Um, so I was very fortunate in my life to have that opportunity. Um, but I have to give a lot of credit to both my parents, my mom and dad. They actually met on a college campus. They worked together in an affirmative action program. So they have always been passionate about providing education for others. So they knew that when they had me that, you know, college was the path, the path to a, a future. That's great. That's awesome to hear. I mean, a lot of times we, we talk about struggle and, and different uh, barriers and all kinds of things that maybe um, limit access to college. But what we don't speak a lot of is the fact that first and second generation um, Latinos and Latinas um, are setting that expectation of you're going to school and you're going to have an education. And that's the the, the path to um, having, you know, different opportunities and, and maybe a, a different type of lifestyle. Um, that's, you know, absolutely kudos to your parents for setting that up. Now, uh, what was playing like? Um, what was play? Did you get recruited? Um, what was that like? Um, did you have a lot of choices? <laughs> How did you narrow narrow it down to to the one school? Yeah. So for me, um, I ended up graduating from UC Berkeley. So that's where I played college soccer. I finished. I got my degree, which is I think out of all my accomplishments, being able to finish my degree has been one of the greatest, especially from UC Berkeley. Um, but I was recruited out of high school. Um, and my first two years at college, I spent at UCLA. And then I ended up transferring to UC Berkeley. Um, I got to play at both schools, which is, I'm grateful for that opportunity to be able to not only one play college soccer, but also play two different programs in the Pac-12. Um, I graduated from UC Berkeley. And yeah, it was amazing. I always any chance I get to work with kids who are interested in playing college soccer at any level, division one, division two, D3, I always encourage them because it's tough. It's a, it's a full-time job, but it is so rewarding. And um, I really enjoyed it. Now, how did the opportunity to play international soccer come about? What was that experience like? Yeah. So for me um, growing up, I actually, um, was fortunate enough to play. And I know there's a lot of um, athletes who have played for two national teams. So I was fortunate to play with two at a, a younger age. So in high school, I got a couple opportunities to play with U17, I think U18, um, US women's national team. Um, and then once I was in college, and I was looking to, you know, continue my playing and wanted to play at the highest level on the highest stage that I could get to. Um, once I was in college, I explored the opportunity of playing with Mexico. Um, and I had had maybe some friends who played club or at other colleges who were exploring those opportunities. So um, I reached out, they reached out, um, fortunate enough to have I think one of my former club coaches had a connection um, with Mexico and um, I hopped on a plane. I, I had a tryout. Um, I think I got maybe a couple caps 
I'm not sure the number, a couple caps with the full team for Mexico. And then in 2012, I played in the U20 World Cup representing Mexico. And that was um, in Japan. It was incredible. My parents got to attend. Um, yeah, I, I'll never forget that moment of walking out on that field and putting on that jersey. It was just incredible. So now what was that like? Because you grew up, you grew up in the States. So what was that like going to Mexico and learning a little bit about some um, some family or different friends or friends of the family? What was that experience like going back to Mexico and learning about your heritage from a different perspective? Yeah, I think um, that's why I kind of speak to that experience. I think it was that coupled with, and I'm going to throw in my educational experience, um, that experiences as well as taking um, Chicano study classes or classes in college for me was so transformative to understanding um, my culture. And I, I feel my parents, my family um, being raised in the United States and being Mexican-American, being Mexican um, and being proud of who you are and where you come from and, and then getting that experience to play for your country, to um, represent your grandparents, to represent your parents, to represent um, putting on, I, I always say like putting on that Jersey, I think, and being able to have my grandfather, uh, watch me, I think, you know, he was so proud and I felt immensely proud that I could make him proud of me. So, um, I think it was a great connection to my identity and my heritage and I'm forever grateful for that experience. Yeah, that's fantastic. Now, uh, fast forwarding a little bit here, uh, assistant AD, high school coach, club coach, teacher, how do you manage that piece of your life as far as just the organization of keeping the different pieces together? Um, it, it sounds not, not only like a lot, but it also sounds like um, it, it is something that you love to do, which is super, I think it's super important um, because if you're willing to put, you know, if you're going to do that much work, you, you must love what you're doing. Um, so how does that, how did that whole piece come together? Yeah. So for me, um, just to answer the piece on organization, being a former student athlete and having to do homework on the road or traveling a lot, I think I learned great time management skills. So just by the nature of being a student athlete, I learned how to organize, prioritize um, and work hard. Um, so I think that experience has helped me in my role. Um, and I think my motivation has been something that also helps me maybe when it gets challenging or when I'm busy, because um, I feel highly motivated that there aren't a lot of Latinas or people who look like me in um, athletic administrative roles and also in coaching. So I know that me being in my role um, may inspire or help one other young girl or young boy or young kid to look at me and see the representation or see themselves in that position of power, see themselves in that coaching role. And um, ultimately, I want to be able to provide those transformative experiences for kids. Um, but I think it comes down to my motivation of knowing how important it is that I'm in that role. Um, and that really drives me to continue doing it. Um, so for you, when was that moment in your like, okay, this is bigger than me? This is not necessarily about me. It's a little bit bigger. Um, at what point did you figure that out? Hmm. It's hard to pinpoint one, but I think early on in my career, I started coaching college. And when I was in the college game, I think it's important to acknowledge that um, coaching is inherently a male dominated field. Um, so there was times I would show up to fields or recruiting events or um, 
you know, any sort of soccer, I would say event where there's a meeting of soccer coaches and I would look around and not see anyone who looked like me. And luckily for me, I have always, I think, thrived in those situations. But also when you talk about turning points, I think moments like that, where you know you are one of those few people who walks into the room and you know, okay, this work that I'm doing is important. And this work that I'm doing is more more than anything needed and necessary for change and growth. Yeah, man, that's that's very cool. Um, and, and I like that part because I think a lot of times um, we minimize the work that we do, right? You know, whether it's coaching um, and you don't have to be Hispanic or, or, or female or any, you know, in any demographic to feel that way. I mean, anybody can, but a lot of times we minimize the work that we do and, you know, we kind of just kind of go through the motion, not realizing um, the influence and impact we do have on other people and maybe somebody's situation or, or somebody we can inspire. So um, now it is Hispanic Heritage Month. So what is the significance of Hispanic Heritage Month for you? Yeah, I'd say for me, um, it's a moment, it's a time, it's a place, it's an event to honor really the history and the contributions that Latinos have uh, given to this country. Um, but also for me, it's so immensely ingrained in who I am. And it's more than just one month, you know, and I, I appreciate so much that we have a month that this has been something that has been ingrained in not only soccer communities, but daily life work, you see it everywhere, um, Hispanic Heritage Month. Um, but I think for me, it's it's 24 seven, it's every day of the week, it's every day of the year. Um, but also, it's an opportunity to also address maybe the the history or the oppression or the prejudice that Latinos have faced, but also to honor all the work and the progress and the resiliency of the Latino people in this country. Um, and for me, that's immensely important to honor where we came from, but also to honor the contributions of Latinos to this country. I think that's hugely and really, really important as well. But that's two weeks in a row now where uh, the comment has been made that like Hispanic Heritage Month is not a month. It's like it's literally every day that that we live in this um, simply for for different reasons. Right. We you know we want to we, we obviously we want to honor those that came before us, but we also uh, want to educate those that uh, perhaps maybe aren't familiar with 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 our heritage or our history or um, some of the good or the bad stuff that, that we've been through. So it's super important to, to just realize that. Um, yes, while we have a month, um, it really is um, lifetime of of work of trying to um, obviously uh, live, you know, live in 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 a place where we are proud of what where we come from and proud of what we're building as well for the future. Um, so now, uh, as far as um, some of the mentors maybe you've had, um, can you talk about any? Hispanic or Latin influences that you've had in your, you know, whether it's playing or um, from a coaching perspective. I mean, you have a great career now. Have you had those mentors? Where have they appeared in your life? Yeah, I think for me, I, um, it's, I have soccer mentors and role models that I look up to. Um, and I think also my family, I think is a huge part of what I do and why I do it. 
Um, but to start start on the soccer side, I think um, Jenny Ruiz, she's now uh, the coach at UNLV. Um, she was someone I was fortunate enough to play with while I was in Mexico. And, you know, getting to play with her on the field and seeing her leadership, her passion for the game, her knowledge of the game was incredible. And then also being able to be a friend with her, you know, post playing and watching her get the job at UNLV and really be a trailblazer in every sense of the word. Um, so she's someone that has been really a role, I'd say a role model to me and a mentor. Her and I have connected throughout the years. Um, and then the other person I have to kind of shout out is Walter Marino of Ole Soccer. He started um, a small nonprofit in Los Angeles, and he was really the first one to give me my very first coaching job right out of college. Um, so those two people, I think, within the Latino community have been inspirations to me, but also been great role models. Um, and then the second piece of kind of, you know, speaking about Hispanic Heritage Month and culture and family, um, my mom has been a great role model to me as a Latina, as someone who has um, really has really uh, traversed every difficulty, every challenge. She has her master's degree from UCLA in architecture. Um, she really instilled a work ethic in me, but more, more importantly, like I mentioned earlier, she always talked about the importance of giving back to the community. Um, and I'm proud to say my mom is someone who has worked um, tirelessly to help the Latino community. She, in eighth grade, worked with United uh, Farm Workers. She's worked closely with Dolores Huerta even recently. So um, I think my mom is a, a great inspiration for um, instilling in me a work ethic, but more importantly, um, making the world a better place and understanding that you always have to give back to your community. So um, I'd say those are my mentors. Yeah, that's very cool. It's very cool that obviously um, you have different mentors and Jenny Reese, Coach Jenny, she she's a friend of the podcast. Uh, we mm -hmm. had her uh, a while back. And uh, you never forget the first person that gives you that opportunity, your first job, right? Um, I, you know, I, I, I've always been appreciative of, of anybody who opens the door for me to be honest with you. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but now, uh, so now that you're in the position that you're in, right. Talk to me about the sense of responsibility that you have to open that door yourself for somebody, right. Whether it's now, you know, you, now you're the mentor. Now you're the one that's maybe setting somebody up for success, um, how do you do that? Um, and like, for example, you know, um, how can I do that, right? If if I'm in a leadership role, whether it's in a club or in a school, right? Um, how can I, you know, what advice can you share for for someone like myself to, to be like, okay, let's open the door for somebody else. How can we help each other out? Yeah, I think it all starts with representation um, and creating opportunities as well. Um, for me, something that I really focus on as a coach and mentor in all my various roles, especially for young women and any coach, any any players that I'm fortunate to coach, um, I really focus on empowering, leading them and development. I think if we give kids the um, confidence, if we give them the autonomy, if we give them the ability to um play the sport that we all love, which is soccer, but the ability to be successful when soccer is done. Because I, I kind of look at my job like that. Soccer for a lot of these athletes may end high school, may end college, but eventually they're going to go into a workforce. They're going to have careers. So I think, you know, did I 
instill in them qualities or leadership skills or the confidence that's going to help them for the rest of their life. And, you know, to something that others can do to help, like I said, I think it really starts with representation, um, creating diverse and equitable opportunities for all athletes, um, and then providing opportunities. How do we provide more opportunities for members of our community who wouldn't normally have that opportunity? So I think those two things together are hugely important. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And you're right, you know, just, you know, creating opportunity, being a role model, and and more than anything, you know, I, I, I know that for me, a lot of times I always go back to trying to be the person that I needed, you, you know, who, who did I need at, at different moments in my life? So no, I, I love the message. Um, you're extremely positive. I'm about to run through a wall for you. So now what advice do you have for maybe a young, young coach, you know, um, you know, Latina, uh, Latino coach, what would you say to them? Yeah, I have two kind of things that I've, I feel like have helped me and one is soccer related, one is not um, soccer in life, but um, a coach um, told me this in preparation for a trial. Um, and it's such an interesting thing. I think a lot of soccer coaches will hear this and think, what? Um, don't pass the ball. Um, and it, and I thought of that, okay, I'm going to a tryout. Why, why would my coach tell me not to pass the ball? And I think it speaks to not literally not passing the ball, but more to young Latina players, especially, um, take up space, you know, don't dim your light, don't defer. Um, you know, you have to fight for everything. You have to earn everything. You know, life is going to be full of challenges. Um, but to the soccer piece of, I try to teach my athletes now, you know, we all have these little lights on the field and sometimes we defer, sometimes we play small and sometimes we dim our lights. So, I would encourage all athletes to let your light shine, you know, be you, be unapologetic and let your light shine as br as brightly as possible. And the second piece would be in terms of opportunities for coaches, Latina coaches, you know, if you don't get invited, if you don't get that seat at the table, like you gotta have to just bring your own chair, right? Bring, bring yourself to that opportunity and, you know, I don't want to say do not be denied, but you, you know, if you're not getting invited in those, those circles, those coaching communities, right. You have to just bring your own chair. Um, and I love that quote, but I think it's important because it kind of speaks to where we're at in terms of the coaching community and what we can do to make it change. So, yeah. I hope you guys are keeping tabs on this because again, two weeks in a row, uh, the message is pretty much the same. Take ownership of, of you take take ownership of you don't let dim your light and you know if, if if you don't get invited still be there still be there bring your chair figure out a way to get in there and and, and show up right and don't be apologetic so no i i love the message uh super powerful and i think that i you know we need to hear it and we need to hear it more often from more people from more leaders and, you know, a lot of times I'm, I'm, I know you guys are out there. You ladies are out there. We're going to find you and we're going to, and we're going to make your voice loud um, because that's what we need. You know, in, in the Latino community, in the Hispanic community, we absolutely need every voice that we can possibly get. So um, we know you're out there. We know you're doing the good work. We, we appreciate you. Um, 
Adi, for everything that you do. Again, thank you so much for being here tonight. Um, do you have any some last words for us? No, um, I just want to thank you so much for giving me this platform to speak. And yeah, I, I, I'm grateful. So thank you very much. All right. And so that's two weeks in a row now of two very powerful women, two very powerful coaches. Again, thank you, United Soccer Coaches. Thank you, Dean Linky. And we will see you guys next week. Indeed, we will. Art, great job by you. Great job by another wonderful guest. When we return, we hit the training ground with Tree Beckman, a culture specialist. Wow, it's a heavy topic. You'll enjoy it. Tree Beckman on the bounce. As a soccer coach, you're no stranger to developing your players. But how are you developing your own expertise? As a United Soccer Coaches member, you receive access to a range of resources, like our online learning platform, The Training Ground, to aid in the growth and enhancement of your coaching skills and career. From coaching education courses to lifestyle services, take advantage of new opportunities and member benefits with an annual United Soccer Coaches membership for just $125. Join the home of all coaches today at unitedsoccercoaches.org. It's about time to head back to the training ground. It's been too long, and one of my regulars on the training ground, she is outstanding, Teresa Tree Beckman. She goes by Tree. She is awesome. You can find out more about her at Tree Roots Culture Consulting, LLC. She is a growing leader, speaking team member. She's a True North sports team specialist, and she's also a University of Florida adjunct professor and I want to say that again, you can find her at treerootsllc.com and you can find her right now on the United Soccer Coaches podcast as we hit the training ground with a heady topic. I'll get to that in a moment, but first let me welcome back Tree. Welcome back, Tree. Oh, thanks, Dean. You know, it's always so much fun. I love, I love coming on this with you. And you love it even when it's a heady topic. You were very involved in the coaching credentialing and luckily some of those coaches are stepping forward, but it's about feedback, but it's about student athlete feedback, which is difficult. The name of the article that you are getting ready to send out, you're still working on it because it's such a tough topic, is called a call to stop weaponizing student athlete feedback. Man, that headline brings me in. Break down that headline to start, Tree. Well, listen, I this is a tough one for me. I've been sort of railing against student athlete surveys since I started hearing about them. And, you know, <clears throat> I want to be really clear up front. I think culture, it, feedback is absolutely necessary to a uh, healthy and just uh, the longevity of your team culture. You have to be able to have feedback. You have to get feedback from your student athletes. I do feel, however, that a lot of departments, and this is both the high school and college level, I'm sure it happens in clubs as well, but I'm, I'm really talking more to scholastic enterprises. Um, I, in recent, maybe in the last five to 10 years, AD, sport administrators, have been using surveys in a way that it's really damaging to culture, and it's it's actually driving coaches out of coaching. And I'm pretty passionate about the student-athlete experience, and I'm definitely passionate about showing up for coaches and serving coaches. And I got to tell you, I've had one too many conversations where coaches confidence and their, their trust in their players and just their way forward has been so tainted and uh, just, just brutal because of 
ill-advised and ill-delivered feedback requests from their sport administrators to their players in a really unhealthy way. And I think it's well-meaning, but it's not good. And I, and I'm, I just need to speak up on it. You begin by having a quote from one of the most respected coaches, any sport in the country. And that's coach Mike Krzyzewski, who recently retired as the top man at Duke, won a lot of gold medals with team USA as well. I'm going to read his quote and get a reaction from you tree. And I quote from coach K the truth is that many people set rules to keep from making decisions. Not me. I don't want to be a manager or a dictator. I want to be a leader and leadership is ongoing, adjustable, flexible, and dynamic. As such, leaders have to maintain a certain amount of discretion. What a quote, right? Like coach K is the man and he's dead on. And here's my thing. When you solicit advice from the student athletes, not on your team, but on the team of the coach that you're overseeing, you're really, you're really taking out all the discretion and the nuance that is needed to lead. And, and you're gathering data, sure, but is it accurate data? And is, are you gathering data in, in a way that's going to uplift and support uh, trusting relationships between the coach and the player? You're not. Leadership has to be flexible. It has to be nuanced. It has to be hands-on. And I think that surveys are not always, but sometimes being used as a stand-in for day-to-day -day mentorship because our athletic administrators are more and more, you know, business people. They're coming from the business world. They're not former coaches. And I think that alone is a problem. You see some big programs right now putting coaches who are wanting to stay in the game, but maybe not. They're they're getting out of coaching. They're putting them as like, you know, coach mentors on their staff. And I think that that's definitely a, a, a good, a step in the right direction, but you can't use surveys and collect data and you use that for a standard for mentorship from your AD to your coach. It doesn't work. That's not how leadership works ever. Yeah. You talked about how feedback gathered in this way hurts trust and trust is critical to creating a healthy team culture. And then you also say feedback gathered in this way perpetuates fear, fear kills creativity in fact, you flat out say in one of your subsets here, fear-based leadership is not good leadership. Break that down for me, please. Yeah, you know, the thing, the tricky thing, I was with a, a athletic department, a um, bunch of coaches yesterday, and, you know, it, it never it, it never surprises me. Somebody raised their hand and they said, yeah, I get this feedback thing. We want to create a culture of feedback where feedback's not only going from coach to player, but we're teaching our players <clears throat> to give us feedback that's real because I mean they're on the field they're on the court right and um and he said but we weren't led that way and that's a really good point most of us many of us I won't say most many of us were led with a fear-based leadership and so <clears throat> when that's happening it's hard for us to know it because it wasn't modeled for us but fear-based leadership has always been the lowest level of leadership and I'll give you a case in point Right now, there's a power shift in, in, especially in college athletics with NIL, transfer portal, things like that, right? So we can't tell players, hey, you have to do this because I said so, because I'm in this position. You can, but it's not, it's not a good solution because your players can leave, which by the way, it, it's always been true of like professional sports. So positional power over leadership has always been the lowest level of leadership. Fear-based leadership 
has always been the lowest level of leadership, but these student athletes are empowered to do something about it. And they're really calling us to be better leaders, more forward thinking leaders. And I will just say this to speak on peer, Dr. Pip, Dr. Pippa Grange, she works with like uh, premier level soccer clubs in Europe. Um, she's got a great book called Fear Less. And I quote this book in here. She talks about a study where, you know, complex decision-making and critical thinking skills actually decline. And sometimes there's a study where IQ points drop by like 15 points when we're under threat. And so when you use surveys in the way that a lot of you or a lot of universities and high school departments are using them, you're just creating fear for coaches and fear not only makes us dumber, but it actually reduces our ability to be creative and coaching athletic coaching is absolutely a creative endeavor. We need our people to feel safe to hold a kid accountable when that kid or young man or young woman needs to be held accountable. And when we're in fear because of stuff like this, we can't do our jobs. And if we can't do our jobs, we can't grow our student athletes. And our student athletes desperately need us to be able to lead them with courage and with bravery. And these surveys are absolutely killing that. Well, you add on by saying trust is sacred in the development of great team culture. And you even say in your first sentence, even under the best of circumstances, trust takes a hit when the results of feedback gained in this manner are revealed. For sure. Because like, think about it. Even if most of, of the comments that are said on these anonymous student athlete surveys are positive, maybe you have one or two that's like, it's, maybe it's even only borderline negative. What are you going to do as a human? You're going to be wondering who said that, right? So at the very least, it just, it's a little, it's a little like cut to trust And anything that's not aiding team trust is absolutely not good for team culture because that's the one thread that goes through every, I wrote a book on team culture. I created a model for team culture. There's five main components of team culture. Trust is the one element that literally touches every single aspect of your team culture. You admitted as part of the coach credentialing, which is also included in the work you do. And I feel like an extension of the training ground that was hugely successful. We need to do more stories about the coach credentialing and come up with another name for it as well. I know that is what you're working on, but as you tried to sort of dive into how to solve this problem of these student surveys, you actually told the group of 60 coaches that you didn't have a solution and you were reaching out. So hopefully collectively you can collaborate with maybe some of these coaches, other coaches, whatever, to try to find an answer. It's important, right? It's so important. And I'll tell you to underline that I reached out. We have a group me text. We had about 58, 59 um, coaches that made it through of the 60. I mean, the, the response was amazing in the coaches. It was 60 NCAA level soccer coaches from all divisions, men's and women's soccer and I reached out on our group me chat and I just said, Hey, this, this article is really, really tough to write. And they were the ones that challenged me to actually write it uh, back in May when we closed in Dallas. And I'll tell you within, within a day, I want to say a quarter, if not a third of those coaches responded. Yeah, let me help you. This is that important. Coaches are feeling this pain point. I'll be honest with you. If you're an AD listening to this, I know coaches who vet, job opportunities at different departments on literally simply on whether or not that you have surveys in schools that have surveys, they will not go to that school and they're not wrong. I just, I just, there's a better way. And by the way, the corporate world, moreover, like more and more 
corporate entities that are focused on culture are also getting away from these types of, they call it performance management. They're getting away from them too. And I talk about that a little bit in the article as well. That's good to hear because sometimes that can cause combustion, you know, no matter what the job is, whether obviously we're focused on coaches here on the United Soccer Coaches. I know you're still working on it and you've been very forthcoming on the challenges of this article and the challenges of finding a solution. But in typical tree Beckman form, you are trying to find an answer and you end by, at least right now, it looks like you're still working on it, creating a culture of feedback, which basically means a way to do it the right way, right? Well, yeah. And for those coaches who don't have a choice, because I think that it's it's really ill-advised to ever tell people, well, if you don't like it, you can leave. Well, that's not always an option for everybody. So I, I always want to try to give people a, a practice that they can employ if they can't leave. And if you're in a department where there are surveys, and even if you're not, I think this is good practice anyway, you really want to go um, just over the top to gather feedback in a drip, drip, drip basis and train your student athletes that you're okay being, you know, with them being candid with you a good way. You can tell players all day long, Hey, I'm here. My door is open. I'm open to your feedback. But if you don't demonstrate that you really are open to their feedback, um, you're not getting the feedback and in a good, you can look for red flags. Like if you never hear things that challenge you, you never hear things as a, as a head coach that make you feel uncomfortable. I promise you, either you're not pushing them at all or they're not being honest with you. And that's your staff and your players. So like admit some of your faults for them and and high five them when they tell you something that you know was hard for them to tell you. I will just end with this. The person with the most power in any relationship is the one that's the most responsible for the quality of feedback and conflict within that relationship. And if you're a head coach, it's on you. It is absolutely on you to receive that feedback in a way that gets them to keep coming back. And then those surveys won't be so hard to take. Coaches, ADs that are listening, that are dealing with this issue, be ready for the article. Hopefully you learned something by hearing Tree Beckman talk about the article that will hit the training ground soon. It's called A Call to Stop Weaponizing Student-Athlete Feedback. You can email Tree at tree at truenorthsports.net. You can follow her on Instagram at Tree Roots Culture as well. Teresa Tree Beckman, great article. When do you think it's going to hit? I don't know. I'm trying. <laughs> I got no, within the next week. Let's do that. Like I need to get. It's like it's just hurting my soul to write this because it's such a hot topic, and I feel such a. I'm so compelled to serve the coaches that I love and and. And I know in turn, the student athletes that I, I champion. So I'm really, really desperate to get it done, but I, it's got to be right or it's not going to be effective. So soon. All right. I can't wait to read it because as you know, I am the president of the Tree B fan club. So <laughs> I look forward to checking that out on the training ground. Tree, love having you on the podcast. Thanks for making an appearance. Do appreciate it. Uh, you're the best, Dean. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tree. Always great to have you on and always great to cover the training ground. Another great initiative spearheaded by the United Soccer Coaches and Jeff Van Dusen as United Soccer Coaches is indeed the home for all coaches. 
If you listen to the podcast, you know that I also call a lot of college games, and I like to promote the games I'm calling tonight on the Big Ten Network at 6 o'clock Eastern. I'll have Nebraska at Ohio State women's soccer. Then on Saturday, 7 o'clock in Chapel Hill, I'll have the Duke men taking on North Carolina. On Sunday, I'll have Ohio State at Northwestern men's soccer. On Tuesday, I'll have Michigan at Indiana. Michigan is led by Shaka Daly, who was hired by Michigan December 23rd, 2011. Of course, who could forget the amazing job he did in 2017, winning the Big Ten title and winning the Big Ten Coach of the Year. Shaka Daly, one of a handful of successful black soccer coaches at the D1 level. Shaka Daly is on the podcast when we return. College Services Registration is open for the 2023-24 season. Now is the time to register your program and begin receiving the benefits of United Soccer Coaches membership. As a member, you gain access to coaching resources, general liability insurance, awards and rankings eligibility, and so much more. As the home of all coaches, United Soccer Coaches serves to support coaches, recognize your athletes' accomplishments, and advocate for meaningful change that protects coaches coaches and players. Register your program today by visiting unitedsoccercoaches.org backslash college. Welcome back to another jam-packed United Soccer Coaches podcast featuring superstars. One of my favorites returns to the podcast, the top man for the Michigan men's soccer team, Shaka Daly. I just love saying Shaka Daly, let alone spending time with him. So let's welcome in Shaka Daly, the top man for the Michigan men's soccer team. Shaka, great to be with you. Thanks for having me, Dean. Great to see you, or great to hear from you. Well, I know you got Rutgers tomorrow, but I'll be on the call with Professor Chris Monroe on Tuesday on the Big Ten Network, 7 o'clock. You travel to Bloomington. That's always a big game. I get that you got to focus on Rutgers first, but I've got you on to big pimp the game that I'm calling against Indiana. That's always a big one for you, Shaka. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. You know how uh, typically every team in the Big Ten will go. They'll play game by game, so certainly we won't look too far ahead. We have Rutgers tomorrow night uh, at home, which will be an exciting uh, opportunity for us to to get back at it in the Big Ten, and then followed up by a road trip to to IU, which is always you know one of the most exciting and challenging places to play in college soccer. One of the things I love learning, Shaka, is you are in the first year of a five-year extension, which is awesome. It was a big move for you to leave Providence to go to Ann Arbor. You're now settled there. That's got to be nice knowing that you've got that five-year contract and you can kind of get things rolling the right way here now for the Michigan Wolverines. You've had some great teams over the years. Tougher year last year, Shaka, but I feel like you're trending up. Our league in college soccer is very humbling. <laughs> it puts you. It puts you back to... Knowing a little adversity is good for you, you know, as you go through this profession, keeps you sharp, keeps you hungry, keeps you motivated. And certainly our league does that in every single game that we play. Uh, we're excited for the opportunity of a new season. We're excited for time, but, you know, none of us coaches in our league or in college soccer look at it uh, over a five-year window. You want to do as well as you can immediately. You want to compete immediately. You want to put yourself in a position to compete and I'm excited uh, about our young group that we have uh, competing this year. How about the addition of UCLA and Washington for next season to the Big Ten? Your thoughts on that, Shaka Daly? Yeah, we just we just made the, the league a lot easier, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> now bringing in now bringing in two two great programs. Uh, every coach in our league is excited about it. It's great for the league. Um, 
you know, you have, uh, you probably had this Pac-12 ACC Big Ten argument. Now you just have a Big Ten ACC and then you have the the conference in the South, which is really, really good as well. So there's certainly, from a college soccer standpoint, there's so much parity uh, because of, um, you know, the international flavor, uh, because of the transfer portal, um, you know, because of the schools that are uh, historically good that are not in power conferences for men's soccer. So as a result of that, college soccer uh, makes it exciting. No game is an easy game in or out of conference. In your own words, how has Shaka Daily adjusted to what you just said, the transfer portal world and the NIL world, you know, it's kind of combined a little bit, but uh, how have you adjusted to it, Shaka? Because it can be great and it can sometimes not be so great. Yeah, I know it's, you know, you still have COVID year. So you still have one more year of COVID, which is delayed things. You've had to reinvent yourself. And I think everyone's had to reinvent themselves at their particular institution. You know, you're you're at the mercy of what you're capable of doing from uh, an admissibility standpoint, a financial aid standpoint, um, you know, international standpoint. So those three things are huge in men's college soccer. So, you know, that brings a lot of uh, flavor to college soccer, and we've had to adapt and adjust. I think we did a good job with that. We'll continue to evolve in that path. Certainly, with Washington and UCLA added to the conference, that makes it more challenging. So. We have to continue to go out there and look at ways to uh, to invent and be creative, you know, with recruiting. But I think we're in such a great league and we play great teams week in and week out. You know, who who wouldn't want to come to Ann Arbor and and enjoy, uh, you know, our Michigan football? So well said. We're here with Shaka Daly, the top man at Michigan. I always enjoy calling his games. I always enjoy spending time with him. And Shaka, you've been around me long enough back in the days of the Fox Soccer Game of the Week where we had you on oftentimes, usually on the road where you play at West Virginia or at UConn. And then when you rolled into the Big Ten, I'd like to say we continued our friendship and rolled along. And I think I'd also like to say that you knew all along that I've always been a strong ally and advocate for more brown and black coaches leading because we've got more brown and black players out there. I continue to do that, Shaka. I don't know if you're aware. I don't know if I've had you on since the convention, but I'm just going to tell you, Shaka, I went to the Black Soccer Coaches Legends event, okay? I don't know if I've told you this story yet, Shaka, or not. You tell me if I have. Have I told you the story? No, you haven't. Okay. My wife was there with me. I had to get to it. How I got there was really bizarre and and I think very kismet karma. Anyway, long story short, I walked in and I was moved and I haven't stopped moving. We have not done a show since January where we have not had a person of color on the podcast telling their story. Amazing men and women. Maybe you didn't know that, but I'm glad that you know now, Shaka. It was unbelievable. People that I've known forever it was the best event of the convention and the work that Nicole Hercules, she's now handed over to someone named Andrew Richardson. I don't know if you know, Andrew, I hope you get to know him, but let me just tell you the black soccer coaches community, Shaka, bigger and better than ever. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. You know, Nicole did a tremendous job in her time served there. Uh, I commend you and applaud you for continuing to highlight, you know, what black and brown coaches are looking to do in college soccer Still a lot of work to be done, you know, looking at uh, staffs, looking at leaders, looking at head coaches uh, in our league. We have a group text going in Division One men's soccer uh, with all the uh, coaches of color. And I know I think almost all of them 
uh, from that standpoint, we support each other year to year, try to play against each other like we did a few years ago when Russell and I played for the first time against each other. And that was the first time uh, two coaches in the Power Five uh, that were Black played against each other. So that was that was exciting two years ago. And hopefully we can continue to push the envelope and, and promote internally within staffs, you know. So uh, my staff is diverse and, uh, you know, other staffs are becoming more and more diverse. So it's it's an exciting time to uh, continue to grow our game and, and grow representation. When you look at the top level for the USA, you look at the U.S. women's team, you look at the U.S. men's team, and it's getting above 50% players that are black or brown that are not only contributing, but they are playing a big role, particularly on the men's side. I think you can say that, Shaka. So because of that, I like the fact that you mentioned Russell Payne. Like, he's been helping out quite a bit, and there's been other black coaches. And now we just saw Gooch and Wayu get a big job with U.S. soccer, and other black coaches get big jobs with U.S. soccer. So when it's happening at the highest level, we got to believe and hope that it'll also happen at the college level and on down. Yeah, certainly it's, you know, it'll trickle down from the Premier League. You know, not a lot of representation. The MLS, I think there's two coaches and uh, maybe three coaches in the MLS and, you know, start to trickle down into college soccer. So the percentage is probably only, you know, uh, 5% at this point. So we're certainly trying to improve upon that, but no coach uh, doesn't want to earn their stripes. They, they certainly want to merit the opportunity. So I think we're all working hard to pay our dues and continue to grow uh, our brand or our identity as coaches so that, uh, you know, we're trusted with uh, programs that are identifiable uh, and that can help others grow. I like how you said that because I feel like you, while yes, you'd love to see more black coaches in general, I don't want to speak for you, but I mean, I feel like Shaka, you don't care what color people are either, man. You just want to play good soccer. You want to make differences in young men's lives, whether they're white, black, Asian, it doesn't matter. Again, I don't want to speak for you, but I think I have you right on, on that part. Yeah, no, the character piece is the same way we recruit is the same way you, you know, uh, you build your football friends or our football friends. You know, you've done that through through your playing days. We Russell and I actually played together. Uh, John Kerr was the coach, Steve Nichol, Gary Crompton, who's at Bentley. Like they're all still dear friends, as is uh, as is Russell, you know, when we're going through that process. So, you know, it, it's funny. It's a small world <laughs> as you as you go through this and. You know, I'm dear, dear friends with with John Kerr at Duke, and you know the 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 part of it that's exciting is that they're as excited for me as I am for them, and we just continue to support each other um, for the right reasons, and that's that's really what it's all about. Two more questions for Shaka Daly. As I mentioned, I know you've got Rutgers tomorrow. Good luck against Jim McKeldry and the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. They won the Big Ten tournament last year. A little different year for them starting out, but we'll see. That'll be another great game. All these Big Ten games are great, but then you head to Indiana. Just talk about what you say to your kids about that atmosphere because, look, you you have great atmospheres at your place, so you get it, but they're cheering for you. When, when you go to Bloomington, they're not cheering for you, Shaka. What do you say to your kids about that? Yeah, no, we've 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 prepped ourselves throughout the year with our with our young group. We have five or six freshmen starting in our team, which is a lot, um, but really excited about the potential uh, of the Michigan program right now. Uh, whether this year I think we'll get there, the future is is really bright, and we're excited about our um, about our youth. But we're also excited about how the how we've reinvigorated. Um, some of the older players within our team as well. 
but we played uh, Akron at home already in front of 3,000 people. Uh, we played at Creighton in front of 4,000. We played at Maryland last week in front of a in front of a great crowd, which Sasha always does and creates a great atmosphere for college soccer. So going to IU is another unique venue going there, and it's always a tough venue. But I think our guys um, are are starting to understand and 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 grow through the challenges of and the excitement uh, of playing against great crowds in college soccer. That'll be seven o'clock on Tuesday night, Michigan at Indiana on the Big Ten Network. Please join us over there for that big game between the Wolverines and the Hoosiers. My last question relates to the fact that we have thousands of coaches that listen every week to the United Soccer Coaches podcast. What happens a lot when you have a great coaching staff is eventually they move on. You lost your key assistant. He moved on, Shaka. So I'd love for you to give advice to young assistants out there that are maybe looking for their opportunity to join somebody like you or when somebody moves on, what's your advice to, in both ways, advice to you know people that want to be an assistant coach to somebody like you or your advice to somebody like Tommy who gets the opportunity to be a D1 head coach? Yeah, no, it was, you know, time served uh, with Tommy McMenemy uh, and Justin Makar, who was on our staff at the University of Michigan. Uh, we worked together for, I think, eight or nine years. I think the loyalty piece was was huge. But more importantly, uh, it was it was paramount that I invested my trust in Tommy to grow, uh, to know that, you know, being at Michigan wasn't his endgame. That was part of my goal to make sure that I was promoting from within and giving them ownership uh, and opportunities to lead within the program, which prepared them for the next step in their life because they all had ambition of going to the next level. Tommy had ambition, uh, a couple opportunities presented itself, but the right opportunity was for him to go to Delaware. And he's had a great start to his season right now, which I had no doubt he would, he would turn that uh, very quickly. So, you know, that's, that's, that's the first step. I think the second step is continuing to network and build relationships and, you know, going to other college games or meeting people at the conventions when you go recruiting. I think all those things are, are great opportunities to network and get to know others in your field. And, you, you know, you're all over, you're spread out throughout the whole country, uh, but there's certain opportunities you get at the College Cup, at the convention, uh, and certainly when you're recruiting at the two or three major events throughout the year, there's five or six opportunities to to continue to network and get to know someone you didn't and, and, and just pick their brain. You know, I pick brains on, you know, where, where guys are and they're at different, you know, different levels, different experiences bring different things, you know? So fortunately college soccer has got a lot of, uh, you know, international flavor from all over the world. And you can certainly grow and learn every single year from that. So I think that's, for me, the best way to continue to network and, and build relationships. Very sage, as always. I love what I do because I get to work with people like you, Shaka. It's been great from the very first game, and it'll be great until the very last game. I hope that's not for a while, by the way. Keep me in there for a while, okay, Shaka? I, I do sure want to hope so. <laughs> that the uh, battle of the Big Bear I'll also have, that'll be on Tuesday, October 10th, Michigan State at Michigan. I think the best college soccer rivalry out there because there's something to play for. So I'll also have that one. With that, I want to thank Shaka Daly. I will see you on Tuesday in Bloomington. 
against Indiana. Thank you so much for your time. You're always so gracious. I appreciate it, Shaka Daly. Thanks, Dean. Thanks for having me on, and have a great day. Coaching can happen at all kinds of levels. I mentioned the Battle of the Big Bear. Joe Ahern was on the bench last year when the Big Bear was played at Michigan State. He was the assistant coach for Damon Rensing for several years. After several years with Tim Lenahan, he's been a head coach. He's made the decision to now join the Michigan Jaguars, MLS Next, and doing great things at the youth game. He's loving it. Joe Ahern tells his story when we return. Does it feel like all you're doing to manage your team, club, or league is busy work? If so, League Apps can help you get back to doing what you love, delivering a powerful yet simple youth sports management platform. From robust registration and payment tools to automated communications and other software integrations, League Apps saves you time and headaches. Less busy work, more time doing what you love. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. This show seems to have a heavy Michigan flavor. Shaka Daly, the top man at Michigan, is on the show. Tree Beckman, who lives in Michigan. Of course, we saw her beautiful lake that she's sitting on. And Joe Ahern lives in Michigan. He is the Michigan Jaguars Football Club Director of Boys College Recruiting and the MLS Next Head Coach. This after quite a long career in the college game. He was four years at Michigan State as assistant coach. He was six years as an associate head coach at Northwestern with Tim Lenahan, who I work with at the Big Ten Network. He was the head coach for Missouri S&T. He was an assistant coach at Colgate. I love that place. Love Hamilton. Assistant coach at DePaul. And he and I actually are both fellow U.S. soccer staff members. Joe at one point was a team coordinator for the U.S. Soccer Federation. And just quite frankly, Joe's a guy that I like a lot. I like his story. I like his decision to leave college soccer to get back in the youth game. And we're going to talk about all that and so much more. Joe, welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Dean, thanks for having me. It's great to see you again. Obviously, we crossed paths a handful of times in the Big Ten, but looking forward to this conversation. Well, yeah, because you were Tim Lenahan's right-hand man. You were Damon Rensing's right-hand man. So you were part of it. You were always there with them. We had good times calling the games and good times after. But, Joe, let's hear your whole story, and then I want to get to this jump. So remind me where you're from, Joe. Remind me where you went to college. I just rattled off all the places you coached, so you don't need to do that. But then also remind me about your beautiful and very large family. <laughs> Uh, originally from St. Louis, Missouri, played at DePaul University in Chicago. That's where I met my wife, Katie, at the time. Uh, when I graduated DePaul University, uh, I was fortunate to land a, a job with U.S. Soccer as an equipment operations coordinator. I was actually not in soccer at the time when I graduated. I was selling internet service, and my buddy calls me up and says, the U-20s are looking for an equipment manager for six months. It pays $50 a day. Are you interested? I'm like, I'm in. So that conversation with my parents uh, was fun. I uh, My father was like, what is going on? You just earned a degree from DePaul University, and now you're going to be an equipment manager with the U-20s, making $50 a day, no health insurance. And, and that really sparked 
this this coaching career. I didn't realize it at the time, but just being around those type of players and those coaches and being in the locker room with those type of people. And I didn't realize how much I learned at the time. The amount of times I draw upon those experiences today, you know, when I'm on the field or planning training sessions or building cultures, it's phenomenal. And I'm very thankful for for that experience with with the national teams. All right. Well, the best and most important part of my question was your wife and kids. So let's get to them. Yeah, Katie, uh, we've been married almost 20 years now. So she's been on this journey, this college soccer journey. Now this transition with the Michigan Jaguars. And uh, I got four children. The oldest is Frankie, a senior. Charlie's a sophomore. He, he's actually with the 08s within the club. Annie's a, a basketball player. She's in eighth grade. And then Evelyn, our little caboose is five she'll just play with any whatever anybody will let her play so <laughs> well joe i wanted to get you on and you were kind enough to tell me even before i knew it that you were leaving michigan state to get back into the youth game michigan jaguars football club and mls next is on fire right now so serving as an mls next head coach and the director of boys college recruiting so walk me through this because you had those six years with Tim Lenahan. You had those four years with Damon Rensing. You woke up one day and what happened? I think what's important to share is every stop along the way, Dean, it's just all about giving it everything I have in that current role. I didn't go to Colgate University with Eric Ronning to be the next Missouri S&T head coach. And I didn't go to Missouri S&T to be the next assistant for Tim Lenahan at Northwestern and and vice versa. I didn't choose to go to make these career moves for the next one. It was all about, okay, what's important now, not only for me professionally, but for also for my family. So with those transitions, I moved a lot, you know, Katie and the kids, they were very supportive. I'm thankful for the experiences we were able to have at each one of those stops, but we just came to this point in our, our family's life where we're really happy here. Katie's a fifth grade teacher um, she really enjoys her job. We've really connected with people in the community. My kids have done an excellent job in the classroom and in sport. And for so long, you think that this profession is linear. You, you, you go to be an assistant, then you go be an associate head coach, and then you run your own division two program. And at some point you're like, Hey, this, this next step might lead to a division one opportunity. And, um, Quite frankly, this Michigan Jaguar, I wasn't looking. I was extremely happy uh, with, with Michigan State and working with Damon. And But when I made the decision that we weren't going to move because it was best for the family, I just felt a lot of this stress leave because it, it, so much of this is do a great job where you're at. And then what door will that open for the next opportunity? And we're happy here in Michigan, you know, and when the when the club approached me I had never thought about it before I was all college all the time I loved the college soccer game I really enjoyed my time in Michigan State but knowing that we weren't going to move I felt a conversation with them was worth to see can I continue to grow as a person can I continue to grow as a leader can I can continue to grow as a coach and then it, we don't have to move and we can be around the, I, you know, I got some more time with the family, obviously my roles at Michigan state Northwestern and Missouri. Most of my stops, it's heavy recruiting and you're on the road a lot and you're on the phone at night all the time with recruits. And I'm not complaining. That's the life I chose. But at this point, man, time flies with your kids and your wife. And I, I just want to, 
you know, maximize these opportunities with them before they're out of the house one day. And um, so, yeah, that that's that's where the decision came from. <laughs> Great to be here with Joe Ahern and love his path as he's now an MLS Next Head Coach, Director of Boys College Recruiting for the Michigan Jaguars Football Club, which I think their headquarters are in Novi, Michigan, right? Is that right? Correct. And Novi is how close to East Lansing and Ann Arbor, all the good spots in Michigan? Yeah, Novi is, it's about uh, 50 miles east of East Lansing. Um, Ann Arbor is about halfway, give or take. I actually live in Okemos, which is just east of East Lansing. So a little bit closer to Novi. It's about a 35 to 40 minute commute, all highway and make that trek. And, and I'm at the fields at night. So so when this process is happening, how much are you internalizing it? How much are you saying to somebody esteemed like Damon Rensing, hey, I need to take a look at this? I internalized a lot of it. Uh, there was a lot of dialogue between Katie and I. She's she's great. I, I think the hardest, I put so much time into this profession. So it was, okay, if we make the switch, are we going to be okay with, you know, for example, Michigan State's having an awesome year right now, you know, and I always believe they would. We, It's an awesome group there. Um, they're great guys. Uh, the staff's awesome. Um, so when you make this decision, you're – you're saying, okay, what are we willing to give up? You know, there may be jobs that open up down the road that might be appealing, but ultimately, Dean, I kept coming back to no matter what sort of success we had, no matter what jobs was opening up, moving was not going to be an option right now, you know, where, where we stand. And um, once I got to that point, I had a conversation with Damon and he's fantastic. I mean, you know, Damon, he leads green. Um, he cares about his Spartans, uh, whether it's his staff, whether it's his players. And he was very thoughtful with his questions to me. Have you thought about this? But at the end, he was extremely supportive. And I'll always be thankful for Damon um, and, and those conversations because I think he knows me just as well as any of the colleagues I've, I've spent time with. And he knows how important family is to me and he understood why I was making the decisions I was at this point of my life and career. We're with Joe Ahern who is very much I think a proponent and a fan of United Soccer Coaches. I feel like Joe I have seen you at some of the conventions over the years. Can you put into words how United Soccer Coaches has helped your career? Oh man yeah not only the 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 conventions that you spoke of but seeing past players at those MLS drafts, um, the stuff I really enjoyed about United Soccer coaches was those at those conventions, you can connect with colleagues and the continuing education. And um, they're in it to grow the sport, but more importantly, they're in it to grow people and coaches. And I'll always be thankful for uh, United Soccer coaches. I'm going to make your brain really, really think hard. And if you listen to the show, I'm big on memories and mentors. You've had this great coaching career. If you could pick just one or two of your greatest memories as a coach at any level, anywhere, I don't care if you were the head coach, associate head coach, assistant coach, or the equipment man, your greatest memory. Oh, wow. I'll give you two. Korea World Cup, beating Mexico 2-0. I will never forget that that moment and and that feeling being in the locker room with those guys and um, for all the reasons that you can imagine. You know, not only is it a rivalry, but being in a World Cup and uh, being on the sidelines with the team was special. And then 
Missouri S&T taking the first team in school history to the NCAA tournament, uh, round of 16. We won the league at that time. For so long, I wanted to see if I could do it myself, Dean, you know, run, lead my own program, you know, through my assistant coaching positions. And and for us to be able to do that in four years, when we moved to Missouri, that was the one caveat Katie said. <laughs> she said, all right, we're not moving until we see this one through because we helped build DePaul into a Big East champion champion we helped build Colgate into a Patriot League champion and Katie's like all right let's make the move but we got to stay and see this one through so for sure there's so many memories but those might be the two that you know stand out the most you've had a lot of big time coaches in your life you've worked for a lot of big time coaches at the risk of missing one or two when someone says to you hey Give me three to five names that without them, I'm not Joe Ahern, who is proud to be with the Michigan Jaguars football club and proud to take on this challenge. Well, ironically, Craig Blazer gave me my first opportunity at DePaul University. So I have to thank him. He opened the door for me. Yeah, the college guys, for sure. Eric Ronning bleed to me, took me to Colgate. Um, obviously, Tim Lenahan. Um I'll always be thankful for the opportunity to open my open the door for me into the Big Ten. Um, and, and then Damon, you know, uh, they're coming off a Final Four. You know, he was going through a, a transition with his staff and looking for somebody that could help him keep it going. And all of them, because it, it was it was always about the people around him. I feel for so long, those those guys, those coaches, they cared about me that, you know, they wanted what was best for me and my family. And I'll always be thankful to those guys for sure. Two and a half more questions for Joe Ahern. He'll understand what I mean by the half when I get to it, because the other two are more important than that half question. And my question is two years from now, you're still at Michigan Jaguars football club. What would define success for Joe Ahern in two years from now being with the Michigan Jaguars football club, assuming you are still with them. The number one, and actually I, I felt it a little bit last night. We played a game. It was a busy week. I asked my U13s if they wanted the day off tomorrow, and they said no. They wanted to be at training. And there's nothing more rewarding um, as a coach or a teacher when you create an environment where the kids want to be at training or they want to be in the classroom. So that that has to be something that I, I maintain or continue to encourage over the next couple of years. And then with the Jaguars, you know, our, our ultimate goal is to help these families and players pursue whatever pathway it is they're looking for. Some of them, we lost nine players last year, youth players to MLS clubs all over the country. Um, some won't pursue a MLS club, but they want to get into the right college. Um, so if I can continue to, if I look back two years from now and say I was able to help these families achieve their goals, whatever pathway that might be with MLS clubs, with colleges, and then 10 years from now, they look back and send me a note and say, hey, coach, thanks for everything for helping me get to where I wanted to go. That, that'll mean a lot to me. Um, those are the th those mean more to me than the, any wins or trophies on the field for sure. Knowing you the way I know you, I know that you mean it. So I love your answer there. Now, Joe, really proud of this podcast. It's been around a long time. We've never missed a week. It's growing. I love the fact that people want to be on it. I love the fact that 
I know young coaches are on it. I love the fact that we talk to all of the 30 under 30. Some of them are breaking through. Some of them are trying to figure it out. You have made your decisions along the way to get to where you want to. Not everybody can do that. They're trying to become an assistant head coach with Michigan State. They're trying to become a head coach at Colgate, et cetera, et cetera. What's your advice to these young coaches that want to put that head coach name next and in front of their name? What's your advice to them, men or women? Go all in with your current job. Again, I mentioned it earlier in the podcast. Make the most of your current opportunity wherever you're at and never stop learning. And then doors will start to open. Be a good person. Do a really good job where you're at. If you're always looking for the next best thing, Tim Lenahan would use that quote a lot. Like, don't chase the night. You know, if you're at a, at a pub or a restaurant and, and, and things are good, like, don't always go looking for the next best thing. Just do a really good job where you're at. Continue to learn. Continue to grow. And you'd be amazed if you're a good person. How many people are are going to be keeping an eye on you and, and you doors will open that way. So just make the most of, of your current situation, uh, continue to grow that learning mindset and, and build relationships along the way. And again, I, I didn't it, I didn't take any of these jobs along the way for the next one. It's all about just, all right, what's right for you right now in the moment for your personal and professional career and then. Go all in. Final comment here, Joe. I can tell you that two days ago, I had Maryland, Penn State, men's soccer. Tonight, I have Nebraska at Ohio State. Saturday, I have Duke at North Carolina, men's soccer. Sunday, I have Ohio State at Northwestern, men's soccer. Tuesday, we have Michigan at Indiana, which is why Shaka Daily is the show. I believe you, and I don't know how you do it because you have four kids, but I believe you when you tell me that you love listening to the Big Ten Network and our coverage of the games. Is that fair to say, Joe? And 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 why do you enjoy it so much? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's, it's I think you do a great job at telling the story, Dean, and, and your colleagues as well. You know, when you watch the game, you and the and you're listening, it it just you feel like you're at the game watching. You know, it's not just through through the television. And I've I've always appreciated you being authentic in those moments and, and your personality really comes out in, in, in those games. And I'll tell you, you know, I really enjoy that watching the game from my living room feels a lot different than being on the bench. You know, I, it's, it's quite a treat. I really enjoy watching the game and, and hearing your voice. A lot of times when I was in the big 10 and I was coaching, I would listen, I, I would get home at night, you know, or, from a late bus ride and I couldn't, you know, I'd turn on the TV just to listen to what you guys were saying, you know, during the game, cause we couldn't hear it from the bench, you know, so to get your perspective and to tell the story about the, the people on the field is, you know, I, I think that really brings in the audience and I always appreciate, you know, how much you care about the big 10 specifically and the coaches and players involved. Well, I've always appreciated how kind you've been to me. I appreciate that answer as well. I'm glad you found where you want to be right now, Joe Ahern. And I've been wanting to get you on the podcast for the longest time. I'm so glad you're on this week's show. It's a great show and you've made it even greater. Joe, thanks for being on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Thanks again, Dean. Appreciate you. We'll see you soon. 
I want to thank Joe and all of our wonderful guests. I also want to thank Bailey Conklin, Michael Kadama, Jeff Van Dusen, and all the great folks at United Soccer Coaches. Sarah Mason played a big role in this week's show as well. I need to thank my producer, Colin Thrash. And of course, I need to thank you, all of the great members of United Soccer Coaches. In fact, for all of you, I'm Dean Linke. I'll see you next week for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Lee Gaps. Thanks for listening to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. To learn more about League Apps, find them at leagueapps.com or as League Apps on all of the social networks. And to learn more about United Soccer Coaches, visit us at unitedsoccercoaches.org.